Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hey there, welcome to another great episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity business. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you're starting to get the gist of just how many facets of organizing and productivity there are. You can organize items. You can organize space and time. You can help people be productive with their personal life and or their business life among, among many other niches. And you can help people organize their technology or even take a step back with them and help them understand technology from the beginning so they can use that newfound knowledge to help them stay productive and organized. Jennifer Stewart has been patiently empowering her clients to understand their computers and technology tools since 2011. She teaches her clients to reduce computer frustration and disorganization, eliminate email overwhelm, and understand Microsoft programs. Her passion comes from helping her clients create those light bulb moments when their life suddenly becomes easier because they have learned something new about technology and their digital world. Jennifer is the immediate past president of the St. Louis chapter of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, or NAPO, a past speaker for NAPO, NAPO conference and co-leader for the NAPO Technology Special Interest Group. So Jennifer, welcome to our show. Great. Thank you. We are so excited to have you here because, you know, there is just so much that one can get involved in when it comes to a career in organizing and productivity. And I think you are the perfect leader in this niche. And so I've got so many questions because this is not my niche, but why don't you talk to our listeners about uh, your past, maybe before this career and how you kind of found it and how it's evolved for you over the years. Sure. So I started, as you had said earlier, in 2011, and I came from the financial world, mm -hmm. and I was in their client service department. I was at a company that was getting very corporate and very large, and I was helping organize the client service department, used a lot of Microsoft Outlook and organizing basically how the department was running, how the tasks were being flowing from one person to another all those types of things. And that's where a lot of the base of my knowledge came from. And I found that throughout my work there and then previous jobs, I had always trained people on computers and just absolutely loved it. So when I started organizing in 2011, I actually started as a residential organizer, as I think many of us do, but figured out within a couple of months that that just wasn't feeling right. And I was like, oh no, I started an organizing company. Now what am I doing? worked with a business coach and he helped me to see that I had done all this computer organizing for people and training people on computers. And he was like, well, why don't you just shift your company to be technology and digital organizing? And so that's what I did. Um, I think I started that in 2012. I did a little bit of preliminary work doing some computer training with people in 2011, switched it over completely in 2012 and haven't looked back since. Absolutely love it. Those light bulb moments, as you said earlier, are my passion. I absolutely love when sitting down with a client, 
and we're just talking about really anything. And all of a sudden, I just say something that makes sense for them. And that light bulb goes off, and it's so exciting. So that's kind of where I started. And ever since then, I had my own company and then started a partnership. And then that partnership has kind of changed names and changed the look and feel. But other than that, I've pretty much stuck with it the whole time. I think it's really important what you just talked about, this these pivot moments that you had. And we're going to get into your niche, but listeners of this podcast are people who have yet to come into this industry, people who are new in this industry and look forward to this podcast to giving them education, and also people who have been in it for quite some time and they're either looking for some just ways to re-energize their business or new ideas. And I think it's really inspiring that you kind of just listen to yourself and you know, you left a corporate job and you started your own business and that first version of this new life for yourself wasn't exactly right. So you sought help and you made a change. And then you made a change again with the partnership. And you know, as you said, your business has kind of evolved. So I'm assuming that you are incredibly happy with all the pivots and changes you've made. Have you always hired a business coach every time you made a pivot? How did you know it was time to actually act on something that had been kind of going on in the back of your head? And we talked to our listeners about all of that going on in your business. Sure, I would be happy to. So I've worked with, I guess, two official business coaches and then one life coach as well. And the first time I could tell that things just weren't quite right for me, that was at the very beginning, 2011, 2012. And it's just that gut feeling that I need some help. Things aren't going quite right. And the very first conversation, it was a group coaching situation. The very first conversation he had with us was, are you passionate about what you're doing? Because if you're not, you need to figure that out. And that was the big light bulb for me. So he actually gave us exercises to go through to figure out what is it that is working or not working what is the passion piece of what you want to be doing and how do we go that direction? And then he was very focused on marketing. So then it was marketing that passion from then on. And I don't know that I necessarily ever thought about hiring a coach just because I was thinking about a pivot. Actually, I think it's usually when I was with a coach that a pivot found me. And I think that's the way it often happens is that you have something that is opened up to you and you have to decide if you are too scared, which in most cases means you probably should do it <laughs> if you're too scared. But really then at that point, having somebody to bounce that off of, whether it's a coach, whether it's an accountability partner, whether it's a mentor, and whatever that looks like. Uh, the second time with the partnership, I actually was at the end of some coaching. And that one just felt right. And it felt like the right move. And I was, again, in some group coaching and did get some feedback from the other people that, yeah, it sounded good to them, too. So that does help when you're on the fence about something. Just having a group of people, even if it's one of the masterminds that the uh, Golden Circle for NAPO offers, those types of things. So when you decided to make this pivot from residential organizing into technology, was it something, were you nervous? Like, do people do this? Do they make money doing this? Did you already know it was a niche that existed? Did you think that maybe you were creating it? Maybe maybe you kind of were at the time. Like, So walk us through that kind of like, am I alone in this? Or, or, or how did you navigate that? 
Yeah, that's exactly how I felt it. You pretty much said it. So what happened was I was thinking about the possibility. Actually, I don't even know that that had come to fruition yet. And one of the other NAPO St. Louis members had noticed that I had marked computers as a specialty. And when I marked it as a specialty, I honestly wasn't thinking about it. I said, oh, I can help somebody with their computer. That's fine. And so I just marked it. And she said, I have a friend who really needs some computer help. And I just looked at her. I was like, computer training? What? And so I went ahead and took it on and just loved it. I mean, I adore this lady. She still comes back and works with me to this day. And so that's when it really started to bloom. And then that's when the coaching kicked in and I realized, okay, yeah, I could make this um, basically an industry because it's not in St. Louis really. Mm -hmm. And it's, starting to pick up a little bit of momentum. We have a few people that do focus in different areas in technology, but I was definitely the first one in in NAPO St. Louis that was doing this. And I think I'm still the one who gets up and says, I am a technology organizer. So that first piece, when I was trying to figure it out, I was kind of going along the same lines of anybody who would pick a specific niche in any kind of organizing, just trying to figure out, you know, what do I charge, what the packages look like, that kind of thing. I was following the same line that everyone else was, but just in a completely different field. Since I knew that that was my passion, I didn't worry too much about where everybody was going to come from. So it was really a lot of word of mouth that started to get me clients. I love that. It sounds like you joined the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals very early on in your career. Did you join it first and then get the courage to kind of start your own business? Did the business come first? How'd that work out for you? Great question. I actually did join, I believe, at the beginning of 2011 before I quit my corporate job. Mm. I actually started visiting in 2010 was hatching the plan to leave the corporate job and join NAPO and join NAPO St. Louis, which has been the backbone of a lot of what I do. And from there, that gave me the momentum and the the knowledge, the education that I was able to get through both NAPO and NAPO St. Louis has been invaluable and helped me have a community of people to lean on. Mm-hmm. That's been a huge piece of being successful in my business. And that's actually where my business partner came from. I can't agree more. I Being with the people that kind of get us or get you is just a great way to feel confident enough to think of crazy things that you can do and different niches to really like get into and 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 cultivate that passion, even if you haven't found it yet, you know, where someone kind of says like, oh, you check this box and how you didn't even think about that as being a whole other path you could go down. It's kind of like being around people like this can kind of help us see those things that we can't see because we're not really looking in the right places. So I just think that's just a really important step to make, especially when you're kind of making a pivot either from a totally different career or within the organizing and productivity world. So, okay. Help us understand, what does a technology organizer and trainer do exactly? Okay, so there are so many different pieces to this. I'll just kind of go down a list and I will highlight first the things that I focus on, but then I will give you a list of the things that other technology organizers do. I specifically love email management. Mm -hmm. 
and getting rid of that email overwhelm. I love to do digital file management with my clients, some digital photo organizing, and then a lot of training on software, whether that might be different apps or it might be Microsoft Office, those types of things. I like to do those kinds of training. So those are really the niches that I have picked within technology. I mean, there's there's the niche of technology, and then there's even further that you can go. So some of the other things that some of my colleagues do, that we have Evernote consultants, we have Microsoft certified individuals, we have people who specialize in Macs versus PCs, we have Google trainers, and productivity and process development using technology. We have people who help their clients go paperless. We have people who specialize in smart home technology. And then of course we have financial organizers who teach all different financial programs. It just goes on forever and ever and it's so neat. What I love about this is that it can be so unique and you can pair it with either residential organizing or business organizing or productivity consulting, whatever piece, you can pair a little bit of this with what you're already doing, or you can do it as a whole niche in and of itself and have that be your business as I do. Do you work exclusively with people one-on-one? Will you go in and train a group of people in a business or, or a family? Talk to us about who your ideal client is. Sure. My ideal client now is probably the individual business owner. That is my sweet spot. That's who I love. That's who I am. I mean, I'm a business partner, but in essence, both of us are individual business owners as well. So that's who I really click with. But I have gone in and worked with, I did work with a family at one point and then figured out that that wasn't where I was probably supposed to be working. And then I definitely love doing trainings for larger companies that just want some Outlook training or something like that. So I do love doing the trainings as well. I have gone in and worked with teams on their productivity and basically figuring out better communication strategies with technology, things like that. So I've tried all the different niches and I would say working one-on-one is my favorite or one on three to five people, Mm -hmm. something like that. But then actually doing some of the larger trainings on specific software is probably my second favorite. So since there are so many avenues one can go down, let's say a listener is like, yeah, I just get technology. Like I'm really good on my computer. I'm very fast. I'm patient, which I love. That's one of your keywords, how patient you are, because people can feel the stress of like, oh, I won't pick it up fast enough for someone to hang in there with me. So I love that that's for you as like a catchphrase or a catchword. But if someone's saying like, I just don't, there are so many facets, how does one find out where their sweet spot is? Do they kind of just say yes to any inquiry they get? Do they, should you recommend them saying stick with a PC or, or Mac or app knowledge? Help someone who feels overwhelmed and just this excitement of discovering this niche kind of find where they should live. Sure. So what I would do is start by taking most things, unless your gut tells you the second you hear about it, that you're really not going to know what to do. In those cases, try to refer it if you can. That's actually something I run into as an issue with what I do is there's so few people that do it. I often feel like, well, I don't know who to refer them to. So maybe get to know some of the people that exist out in NAPO that do technology and see if you can get a list of people that do things that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing. 
that is what I ended up needing to do because that's something that's nice is we can work remotely with people on technology and that helps mm-hmm. a lot. So the first thing, definitely start by taking a lot and then you'll start to hone in on the things that you really probably shouldn't be taking and should be referring away. And that's kind of how I figured it out. Also go with what you're passionate about, what you love teaching. For instance, for me, my father-in-law, I sat down with my father-in-law and I taught him his email. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So what, what would you sit down with somebody and do it for free? Mm. And that's most likely the direction you want to go. And I think most organizers are that way. You know, I'll help you organize your closet for free. So it's that type of feeling. What would you do for free? But don't do it for free. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's definitely go with passions and then start broader. And then you can get more and more focused from there. Can like get out there, see what comes your way, and then you can kind of start weeding things out and even organizing in your head your feelings and your passions. Okay, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to hear a message from Napa, but when we come back, I really want to truly understand what makes being a tech organizer and trainer so unique and how that can differ in terms of longevity of career for tech organizers and trainers. So we'll be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. For the entire course catalog, visit napo.net slash education. And to join NAPO, visit napo.net slash join. Okay, we have Jennifer Stewart here. We are talking about all things tech organizing, tech training, and Jennifer is kind of helping us understand just how many avenues within this niche you can get involved in, but don't feel overwhelmed. She recommends that you kind of just really ask yourself, what would you do for free, but don't, and then maybe write those things down and start seeing where your talents can really best help people. And then what kind of people, family, individuals, small businesses, big groups, and then just start to explore that for yourself and and you'll hone it in. So Jennifer, what makes being a tech organizer and trainer so unique and how How might that affect the longevity of a tech organizer's career? Wonderful question. So what I would say is the amount of different directions, as as we've already talked about, the amount of different directions you can go within technology, organizing and training is amazing. Just the name, technology, organizing and training. Organizing, you can go one direction. You can go training a completely different direction. You can go residential with smart home technology, working with families. You can go the business direction and productivity direction, working with teams, working with trainings for companies. There's so many different directions, truly, that you can go with this. The other piece, as I was saying earlier, you can pair pieces of technology organizing with residential and have it as just a small added bonus Mm. that you have. So maybe you're not a technology organizer. Maybe you're not even that comfortable with technology, but you know a specific app that could really help your home-based clients. That's technology niche that you can throw into what you do. And obviously with business organizing, productivity consulting especially, you kind of have to have that piece. Mm-hmm. And but you again, you can be more process oriented and then have specific apps that you're comfortable with that you can help 
people build into processes. And then maybe if there's apps that you aren't as familiar with and you refer that out when you get to that piece when you're helping people with processes as a productivity consultant. So there's obviously there are different pieces you can take away from this. It can be small, it can be large within your business. Another huge piece of this is it can be done remotely. I know a lot of aging organizers who are concerned about the physicality of what they do and trying to find something different. And not only is there virtual organizing, helping people organize their homes, but there's all the technology pieces that you can do with people remotely. And the key there is just making sure, as with any kind of organizing, that you have a lot of confidentiality built into your service agreement. And that way, the person on the other end feels a little more comfortable letting you into their computer. So just be sure to have that when you're, when you're building this type of business. And also, really, there aren't as many organizers in this area right now. And so it's a great time to get into it because obviously technology is not going anywhere and it's going to build and build and build. And so that makes this so unique that you can get in, you can pick something, take your time to pick something specific that you're most passionate about, go that direction with it. And the main thing is you just have to keep up with the technology that you're specifically focusing on. And as long as you do that, then you can disguise the limit with this type of niche. Wow. So from you know, leaving a, a corporate job that, you know, where you use a technology every day and really doubling down on it to transitioning into something that's a little more age-friendly, should I say, for those of us who, you know, don't want to be going up and downstairs in attics or, or whatnot. Now, what if someone has really no interest in starting their own business? Are there job opportunities for tech organizers and trainers? And if there are, and if you know of them, where could a listener go to explore those sorts of opportunities a little bit more? That's a really good question. I would say that's an avenue where if you're not going to start your own business, you might want to think about looking into training companies mm-hmm. who actually have training programs. I actually, when things weren't as good in my business, a couple times I thought about that and potentially looked into that a little bit. Um, are there Actually, I've done a little bit of work for school systems, their adult education program. That's actually a great place if you just need a little extra money. You can usually do classes with them. You become an employee of the school system, Mm -hmm. and then you offer adult education classes in technology organizing and training type of things. So that's a great avenue to go if you're not comfortable creating a business. And then also, it's basically you'll go work for someone else doing that kind of work is another option. But yeah, definitely companies that offer big like Excel and Microsoft training for other companies, Mm -hmm. that's a great place to look. And then potentially even finding a company where they have a training department. That's another possibility because often I think they'll do some individual training, but then you also would be in charge of training areas of teams in the company. Would you recommend a listener approach, maybe maybe they've gotten involved in their local NAPO chapter or some sort of networking group and they know someone who specializes in training or technology. 
how should someone cultivate that relationship of eventually getting to the point where they ask them to maybe join their team or to intern, but being an expert in this space, what should someone, maybe? what are the steps they should take before they just kind of go ahead and ask, hey, how can I help? Boy, I had never thought about that before since, as I said, it's so unique in St. Louis. We haven't really come across this oh, yet. Oh, wow. They might after they hear your episode. <laughs> yeah. So I would say doing a lot of it yourself, trying even just with family, mm-hmm. getting used to that. Also observing what that other company is doing or that web, that one person might be doing. and really just building that relationship really on almost a mentor-mentee relationship Mm -hmm. basis and starting there to see if you're even a fit with that person and see if what they're doing, really just having even just a coffee and asking them all about their business is a fair way to do that as well. And then you could potentially approach that. Usually I think it's pretty if someone is going to be wanting to hire or wanting to have ICs or independent consultants. And so getting that feel before you jump right in and ask them when you don't know them from a hole in the wall. Right. And I think that's sometimes people forget that and getting that question of how can I help now puts a burden on that person that you're looking up to, right? Like, Like you said, I haven't thought about it. And instead coming up to them with a solution, like I see your you know, either you're struggling with this or I'm really good at this little thing. Is there any way your business is lacking that I'm happy to provide it in exchange for mentorship or after you've built that relationship of who you even are as a person? I just heard a lot of experts kind of say like, before you just go in and um, ask, how can I help? Maybe take a step back and like you said, build that relationship and learn more about that person's business so that you can offer solutions to them instead of asking them, you know, a broad question. So I can't help but think that technology is changing so fast that if I, you know, I'm trying to be better about my own marketing and, you know, last year I was really good on YouTube and I was doing the things and now I'm kind of getting back into it and I've like forgotten all the things. They've changed the platform. And so if someone's into technology, how much education do you put yourself through to stay on top of all the things that are changing or the new things that are coming up that you might be positioning yourself for to be that go-to person for something that's new out there? Sure. So what I do is I subscribe to newsletters for things that Mm. I help my clients with. So specific apps, Microsoft, things like that and try to get any newsletters about up and coming things. Evernote is a big one. I always read their newsletters to find out what's up and coming. They usually have free webinars, things like that. So definitely newsletters are a good way. You can set up, I'm sure in the past, you've had other people talk about Google Alerts, Mm. and you can set these up to search for, and you want to be really specific about what you want Google to search for. And basically, you can have it come, I think, daily or weekly an alert about all the different searches out there about a specific like app or whatever it is that you want to keep on top of. Mm -hmm. And it'll send you that through an email and then you can go and read what makes the most sense for you. That's a good way to do it. Actually, the technology special interest group through NAPO, where we have all of our people that specialize in technology, whether they're doing it exclusively or whether they're doing it as a part of what they do, we actually have a 
chat back and forth. And when somebody finds out something new, they try to throw it in the chat and then we can discuss it. Sometimes it'll just be a link about something they found, which can be very helpful. That's actually a huge piece of my education. And then we actually have calls once a month as well, where we specifically point out a focus that we're going to talk about. And that helps with my education. And then it also tells me who I can call mm. if I have questions, because we talk about who has what specialties, who uses what programs. Right. So it really is just making yourself, whether or not you work for an employer or yourself, you have to stay up to date, especially in this niche since it's ever changing. But the great thing, like you said, it's not going anywhere. In fact, it's just getting more and more a part of life and it's getting more and more impossible to live without, no matter how hard some people try to live without it. I'm sure you get people all the time who are like, you know, I've tried to not need this, but I need it now and I and I feel behind. So that's yes. also exciting. <laughs> So any marketing tips that you might be able to share with our listeners that maybe are um, special to your niche? I mean, do you market on social platforms or to these platforms that are online where people may not be so technology savvy? Or does that mean that you have to market more in paper form or word of mouth or the library? Like what works for you and the professionals that are in your niche? Sure. So I find that the best marketing for me, and this won't resonate with some people, but I highly recommend trying at least to do a little bit of it, is networking. Mm -hmm. Because you need to build the relationship with somebody because before they're ever going to hire you. It is the like, know, and trust mm -hmm. type of thing. You have to go through that process if you're going to work with somebody on their computer. They have to trust you, hands down. So that's where I think the networking, the speaking can be a huge marketing piece for this niche. If those are not things that resonate with you, at least doing education through your social media, giving tips, giving what they call white papers, which are just basically static documents that you can share with people making sure that you have a newsletter so you stay top of mind with them, an email newsletter. You could even potentially, if let's say you're trying to attract an older generation, probably like 60s, 70s, and that's who you want to work with, then maybe you do want to do a paper newsletter. Mm -hmm. That's a possibility. And then I typically work with baby boomers. And so usually the email is okay. But what I run up against, and when I'm networking, especially when I say, how would you like me to contact you? I say, you know, most of my clients are have email overwhelm. So I understand that email may not be how I'm going to contact you. So just be aware of that as you're going through this. A lot of times if you're working with somebody who is technology challenged, they do have email overwhelm. And so you need to take a step back and figure out, okay, then what's the best avenue for me to reach them? And what I tend to do for my newsletters especially is make them ext extremely short. It mm -hmm. is a quote. It is a couple paragraphs blog type thing and a couple links, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I do get feedback that that's very helpful to people because they want to read it, but it's so short that it'll take them five to 10 minutes max to read it, and then they can delete it out of their inbox, which is what I'd prefer that they do. Right. So it's really knowing your market and who you want to focus on, and then knowing where those people are and making sure 
I know a lot of people talk about this with marketing these days, making sure you're educating people and not asking them to buy things all the time. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you can sprinkle that in. But the education, especially in this niche, is so important. Show that you know what they're going through and show that you know what they don't understand and that you can help them with that. And then they'll, that'll start to build that trust. And then over time, they'll consider hiring you. I I have the same thing that I think a lot of people do where people will follow my newsletter for years and then finally reach out to me. Or I'll have a client who worked with me years ago and they get a newsletter from me and then they'll reach back out to me. So it's a great way to however that is that you stay in front of them is huge. Consistency is key with those newsletters. Mm -hmm. You think no one's listening, but... They are. I agree with you. They'll reach out to you when you least expect it, which is always a nice surprise. So, yeah. And, yeah. I- and depending on your market, I was just going to say, um, if I don't focus on a younger market, but if somebody wanted to focus on a younger market, creating a podcast would be a huge way to do it as well, just like this. Right. Yeah. There's so many avenues now in which we can reach people. It's really just asking yourself, not maybe what your favorite way of reaching people is, but where your people mm-hmm. are hanging out. And I love that you said networking because tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I don't care what industry you're in, people are going to need help with some sort of technology. So maybe you just string along with your partner one night to their networking group. Someone's going to ask you what it is that you do. And you say, you know, no, I'm not in real estate, but I help people with email overwhelm. They're like, oh my gosh, I need help with that. And so like, maybe if you're a little nervous getting out there, like I tend to be, you can kind of just tag along and you never know who you're going to meet when you speak to people at these things. Exactly. Yeah. And don't be afraid to talk about what you love to do, what you love about what you're doing with people at social functions too, because Mm -hmm. even if the person you're talking to doesn't care a hill of beans about what you do, they may know somebody that needs that. Exactly. So anything we haven't touched on that you would love our listeners to know about your niche and the industry as a whole that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I would say the main thing that I wanted to point out is why this is such an important niche and why it's a huge piece of productivity. And we touched on this throughout, but I want to make sure that it's clear to people. This is technology is not going away. Obviously, it's going to grow. It's going to become a a bigger and bigger and bigger part of our lives. Mm -hmm. So the more you can figure out what area that you're passionate about in technology and start to latch onto that, that can really help bolster you and your business and show that you are forward thinking. And it's, it's truly the future. I talk to my clients all the time about the cloud and hesitations about the cloud and things like that. And I'm like, it's the wave of the future. I hate to tell you, and I understand why people are hesitant about it. Completely understand it's that whole boundary of how comfortable are you and and you have to figure out where you are personally and then decide with your clients where you're willing to go with them. And because this is going to be so huge in the future, there's going to be so many more opportunities available and it's going to grow and there's going to be more apps and more software. And so the more you can pick something that's tried and true, I would say, mm-hmm. don't go for the app that just came out last week give it some time before you would start to promote that app to your clients. Pick something that's been around a while, it's proven, and start learning that, start teaching that. 
and then you can take that as it grows and as it maybe becomes something else. There's a CRM that I work with that changed names, became something slightly different. But if it's a product that you really like, you can, you can learn and grow with it. And especially if you're thinking about being in the productivity world and being a productivity consultant, this is a critical piece of the productivity business is just knowing if you specialize in specific apps or you know broadly what people might need and then you can refer them to other people for those apps, whatever that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And again, on the residential side, it's huge as well because smart homes are becoming more and more prominent. And so the more you can start to step into that and understand it when you go into a client's home and they have a smart home, you might have suggestions and they'll be completely impressed that you kept up with that. So there's a ton of opportunities that are just going to unfold over the years, I think. It is exciting. And it really is just endless possibility, which is why I agree with you. It's important to really drive that home listener. If this is something that you've been thinking about, or you're good with email, your computer skills are just on point, like maybe this is something you dive into a little bit more. So I always ask my guests, Jennifer, if you could leave our listeners with two sticky notes to make a big change in their lives this week, maybe towards this niche? Like what are the first two steps you would have them write down in a sticky note and get done this week that can make a big impact in their business or in their lives? So the first thing I would say is find that passion. Mm -hmm. Really think about, and the exercise that I did with my business coach was think about all of the jobs that you've ever done even if you were in high school, and what did you love about all those jobs? Write that down, Mm. figure out what the commonality is, and then take that and run with it. And oftentimes I found that what was my passion was not even in my job description. Mm -hmm. So it's really thinking about that, sitting down and truly thinking about what was it that you loved about what you did and how could you take that and go forward? That's the first piece I would say. And then the second piece is do some research as to what's out there, who's doing that. See if maybe there's nobody doing that, but you might get to open a whole new avenue. Right. So definitely take it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's taking that knowledge. Okay. Now I know what my passion is. Let's go see what the opportunities are from there. Where can our listeners find out more about you, Jennifer, or maybe even reach out to you about this industry? Sure. Uh, The website is gatewayproductivity.com. And the phone number is out there. Feel free to call that. And then my email address I'm happy to give as well is jennifer at gatewayproductivity.com. Anytime anybody has any questions about getting into this field, I love being kind of in that mentor role doing a phone call with people, finding out what it is that they need help with and coaching on. And I'm happy to help with that. I'm sure the more professionals we can get in this niche who are motivated and professional and educated, the more it's going to lift up everybody else in this niche across the country and beyond. So I agree with you that I'm glad that you came on the show and that you are sharing your knowledge with our listeners. My favorite takeaways, I think if you are a residential organizer, which Jennifer is correct, a lot of us kind of start there because it just seems to be the 
everyone lives in a home at some point. And so that's kind of where you maybe have discovered this love of putting things in their place or helping people to be more productive. But this whole smart home thing, I can't tell you how many times I go into a home and people have the Alexas and the Google Homes, and all these things, and no one knows what to do with them. So if you can help them figure out a way to actually help them make their lives and their home more productive after you get done cleaning that closet out... How cool is that? I don't know. There's just so many things that I'm thinking about in my own brain right now that I'm sure you are too. So I'm Sarah Karakane. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thank you for being here with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away even with a nugget of inspiration or something valuable, will you go ahead and leave us a review and hit that subscribe button? It just lets us know that we're doing a great job. And if you have any suggestions, let us know that too. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us that review, please feel free to share this and every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.